Welcome to Soul Traders, the podcast about creative work. I'm Amy Snookstra, a writer and digital strategist. Joining me as always is Bo Wong, a photographer who loves a roadside produce stand. I do love a roadside produce stand. Thank you, Amy. With an honesty system, right? What's that? An honesty system? (laughs) Yeah. I actually could have my own honesty box with all the zucchinis that my kids are hating on and we just brought in our last zucchini from just a bumper season and the kids were so happy. It was like they, you know, it's just the end of an era that they're so happy to see the back of. Oh my God. So many zucchini things. Anyway, let's move on. So before we get to today's topic, we just want to share some lovely messages that we've received recently from our amazing community. And they've made our year. They really have. It's just so nice to have some some peeps in our DMs. So the first one says, hi, Bo and Amy, wanted to let you know I've just come across your podcast. I'm only on episode three, but I'm plowing through it and loving it. I'm a freelance photographer and have been on the hunt for this type of podcast for years and nothing has come close. So real, helpful and inspiring. Thanks and can't wait to keep listening. Yay. That is so lovely. I've felt like that too with other podcasts where you find it and then you're just going through the backlog doing the full binge. On it, yeah. I have one to read out. It says, a little bit of a gush moment in thanking you for creating such an honest and compelling podcast. Working alone as a freelancer can at times be a lonely place and it's a wonderfully motivating companion. All the best and perhaps one day we shall meet in person. Well, maybe we shall. Yeah, that's really nice to hear because that's really why we're doing it. Yeah, is to have conversation about about this lonely business of freelancing and yeah, talk about the things, all the things. So if you do want to get in touch with us, just slide into our DMs. We're on Instagram, <laughs> we're Soul Traders Podcast. <laughs> yeah, there's no way to say that without sounding, you know, it's so gross, a bit isn't creepy. It? Anyway, please don't don't be put off. <laughs> so today we are going to share with you some of the very low-key tech systems and software we use in our own businesses. So we're both pretty minimal with this stuff, aren't we, Bo? Yeah, absolutely. It comes back to what we were talking about in a recent episode called Resisting the Call to Grow. So before we jump in, if you haven't listened to that, I'll reiterate a lot of that stuff and we try to operate on lean and sort of question everything growth model. So we're looking at always minimizing our overheads and maximizing our flexibility and freedom. So we definitely have that sort of values that come into all of our tech choices as well. Absolutely. Because those software subscriptions that promise everything, like making your life better and easier and freeing up your time, they really mount up. They seem like small amounts, but if you've got, you know, more than a handful, that's a big financial commitment. And I think, you know, we talked a little bit about about this in that episode, Resisting the Call to Grow, but there's this real kind of element of being sort of risk averse, I think, if you're a very tiny micro business like we are. Mm. What do you reckon? Yeah. I mean, those subscriptions really sting you and the monthly ones, you sort of see them and so you can unsubscribe, but those yearly ones, I've been stung oh. a couple of times and I've had mm. to, you know, they make it quite difficult to unsubscribe and, you know, they say, okay, well then you know, now you've paid for another year and then you think, oh, fuck it, I'll just use it. And then you forget about it again. Don't use it. Yeah. (laughs) Now you thought that we might break this down because we use a lot of things in different areas and because you are into into nerd size chunks, nerd chunks. I like to structure things. 
Because once we started talking about this, we realized there's actually quite a few things we've tried and or considered or tried and and discarded. Yeah. And we've worked out quite a few sort of efficiencies in little systems, some of them paper ones. So I thought, yeah, let's so let's start with productivity and timekeeping. It's a big one. It's one that I get targeted for a lot of ads on social media and stuff like that. This is the app that's going to save you all that time. So what do you use in this area, Bo? So productivity and timekeeping. So early last year, I did some heavy duty research into this area because I had some time off from shooting while I was recovering from a shoulder operation. I asked a few people who are photographers and graphic designers, also freelancers, about what they were using. I did the free month trials for Streamtime, Asana, Trello and Monday. If this sounds like another language to you, don't worry. It was to me too. Can I say I did end up having to just cut my losses on the amount of time I invested in setting up every one of those apparently time-saving activities. None of them fit me right. Yeah, so I just had to dump them. I just had to cut and run with those. I didn't I now, now don't use any of them. For timekeeping, I use a good old pen and paper. My last post-production assistant would use something an app called Clockify to make sure that she was breaking up the job so that I could invoice the right clients at my end. So that was really great for timekeeping and making sure that every client is actually being invoiced for what they should be getting invoiced for. But I personally don't use a timekeeping app. And in terms of productivity, I'd probably say that my, I mean, I use an iCloud calendar for all of my dates stuff and it's color-coded right up the wazoo and it doesn't involve small tasks. It involves all my meetings and things like that, but never tiny tasks because that makes me feel really stressed when I see them in digital format for some reason, because I can't just sort of scrunch (laughs) it up and throw it away at the end of the week. So yeah, I, I use an A5 piece of paper for that. What about you? Like you, I've tried a lot of the productivity product project management systems like Asana and Trello, but I always have come back to really simple systems. So what I found like you with a software like Asana is there's always this investment of time to set it up initially. And ultimately, yeah, they're just not created for me. They're for big teams, for people who need to collaborate on sort of more complex projects. And as a business of one, I just don't a lot of the features, they just don't, they're not created for me. Mm. For a while I did bullet journaling, which is a fully analog system, which is fun. Nerd alert. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do bullet like it. <laughs> I know. And there's even a hashtag if you want to go down the rabbit hole, Bujo, B-U-J-O. Oh yeah, check it out. It's quite amusing. <laughs> but I, I found it was quite time consuming to because you write everything out every day. You, you write the whole list again. And I think it's meant to be a discipline of like, if you keep writing the same things, like why aren't you doing them? Oh my God, that sounds like hell. Well, I found it stressful and distracting. So yeah, like I said, a lot of my systems are really basic paper style ones that I've translated to tech. So what I use, so for, you know, to-do lists and stuff, instead of little scraps of paper that get lost and reminders about appointments and notebooks with lists, I have everything in one app. So I used to use the Notes app, which comes for free with every iPhone, and it was fantastic. You, like, you can do tick box lists, you can do sketches, you can write shopping lists, and it also has this great voice-to-text function, which I used a lot when 
Hugh was tiny and I was always walking around in the pram trying to get him to sleep and I, some an idea would occur to me and I would just use the voice function and then I just have everything, all my random ideas, my lists, everything all in one app. And now yeah. I use Google Keep, which is similar, but it talks to Gmail and all the other Google apps that I use. And that's the useful. So if I get an email and I have to be like, oh, I need to respond to this or quote for that, then I can attach it to an email. So it's good. But it really, it's a pretty simple principle, which is really just mm. like, it's like having a whole bunch of, a bunch of post-its, but they're in digital form and they're all together. So nothing gets lost. I still have actual post-it notes. I have to say, I still love them with all of my heart. I also use something sort of similar to the Pomodoro method for productivity. So I write my list, I assign the amount of time to each task. So it might be anything, sometimes an email might only take five minutes or, you know, something else might take half an hour. And I also write the deadline day. At the bottom of the page, I have what's called a life admin section, which is like dentist appointments for the kids or whatever. And I'll either go through a page a day or a page every few days or a week, depending on how busy I am. I have another system that I always use. It's an ABCD system and it takes two minutes. So unlike bullet journaling, where you're sort of redoing things, you can just cross it out and change whether it's an A, B, C or D. And the A is absolutely needs to be done. The B is for before too long. C can wait. And D is something that can be delegated. So I originally tried using, I don't know if you've seen, it's like an axis. So there's a cross and it's an urgent, important, not urgent, not important axis. And you can put tasks into those. Yeah, but everything's always urgent and important. So I find that hard. Well, yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't know. I just didn't find it very flexible and I tried doing it sort of digitally and I tried doing it on paper and then I just went back to my ABCD method because it's much, much quicker. I like ABCD. It has a nice sound to it. Easy as ABCD. So easy. Any other ones worth mentioning? Yeah, I use a Pomodoro timer. So the Pomodoro method is 20 minutes. The idea is that you can, your best amount of time to focus is 20 minutes of time. And then you have a little break and you can actually get timers. A lot of them are free. I use tomato timer because it's just amusing. And I don't know why it's a tomato timer and it just is. I also use a tracking thing for my client work. It's just a free one. It's called Toggle Track and it's really good. It's got a little Chrome browser plugin. So I can just it just helps because I'm switching between clients and I can just go tap on my screen and, and just write a note and then I can sort of fill it in later. It helps me with billing. So that's actually something that's kind of worth having. Mm. And there's a paid model of that, which if I had more clients and wanted more features, I would probably pay for. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because there's so many apps where there's a free version and you use that for a while. And I think it's really good to start on the free version because Absolutely. I've gone straight into paid before and then it's just been a total waste of money. Well, so often you only need the free one and you need to work out like whether it suits you. And I mean, that's why they, they try and get you in with the free versions, right? But often I can stay, I think you can stay with the, the free version because really a lot of them are marketed at teams and we're just not teams. Yeah. You've also got a list of communication and collaboration tools, which are also all free, I'm noting while I'm looking at them. Google Docs, fantastic. We use that for the podcast when we're sort of writing I love notes it. for an episode. Yeah, I love being able to work at the same time. 
on the yeah. document together. It's great. I can see you like in your little pink with your cursor blinking. I can see what you're doing. That's nice. I can cross out things that you say that I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> I just delete them. Yeah, there's a lot in this communication thing, but I find like a, a lot of the time I just text. We we text. I think text is great. Yeah. WhatsApp is great. Voice memos I never got into. Some people love it. The other one that I think I've converted you onto is Slack, which, yeah, it is it is more for teams and collaboration. But even as a team of two, which we are for this podcast, I find it really useful. It's basically a like a chat service, like, you know, messenger sort of thing, but it's a little bit more organised. You create teams with people you work with or collaborate with. And then within the teams you've got channels which appear on the left-hand side of the interface. And it's great because... You just can keep all your conversations in one place. So you sort of think, oh, remember we had that idea for a podcast episode. What was it again? Oh, yeah, let's look in the channel that's called podcast episode ideas. And it's all there. So have I converted you to to Slack, Bo? I don't know if you've converted me fully, but one of the things that I really love about it is that it means that we to each other, don't give each other more sort of mental loading throughout the week and various text messages. And we're not sort of, we keep all of our conversations about this project in one place. And then when we having, sometimes you just have heaps of ideas and you can just absolutely lay them all out, put them in different channels or whatever, or I can respond to them anytime, but we're not like, it's not that thing where you're in a sort of state of constant, yeah, urgency and constant communication. So in that sense, I would say I am a convert. We did use Dropbox paper for a while, but I, and I liked the calendar feature, but I don't, I don't know. I just didn't, we didn't really continue with that. Yeah. I also like Slack for the community element. Like a lot of workplaces have some fun channels on there. Like, and when you're working remotely, I think with a team, I think it's really hard to have those those sort of social elements that aren't work-related but are still important to your sense of kind of feeling connected to the team. So I worked with a team of designers and they had an appreciation channel where people would congratulate others in the team for when they finished something or when they got good feedback on a project. So there was lots of like cute gifts (laughs) and kittens and stuff (laughs) on that one. (laughs) So my next section is file storage and backup. And I thought maybe you might have some ideas on this one, being a photographer, but you must have some big files. Yeah, I got some big files, baby. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My files are so big that I don't use any cloud-based storage. So I use a hard drive system with a manual file migration system. So the old files are still accessible to me and clients. So that archive is really important. And that's where something often photographers whinge about clients coming back to them and needing photos from years ago, or they've lost them or they're this or they're that. And there's something called a file retrieval fee that comes into play. So those funds that people pay, that helps cover the cost for the fact that I do archive all of my clients' work back to 2008 or whatever, and it does cost money and take time. So the main software that I use is for transferring files to clients. If the client has a preference for Dropbox or Google Drive, I'll use whatever they want to use because I think it's good to be flexible. Last year, I picked up a job that meant that I've had to distribute to more than one client. So I've had to distribute to them, but also to over a hundred other organizations within for each part of this really large project. So I started using Pixie Set which has been great. So shoot proof and pick time are really similar. 
but I found Pixie Set to be the easiest from the client end, especially when the clients are not very tech savvy. So some of the people I'm distributing to might only be on their phones or they might not, yeah, they just don't have that sort of easy tech, tech literacy. In, intu- yeah, I've that's been on right. the so, receiving end of Pixie Set and it is, it's yeah. beautiful. It's just like, it looks oh, like a gallery. It's just, yeah, I think it's a good one from that pr- perspective. Look, it's a little mainstream looking, I think, for me, but other than that, I think, you know, it's obviously fine. It has the capability to sell photos, but I'm not using any of those features. Other photographers might. I use it as a digital asset management system, so for clients only, and it's basically a website for collections of images that have individual codes and passwords to download, which is great for privacy for various projects. It has limitations for high-end work because it can't manage TIFF or RAW files. So in that scenario, I use WeTransfer, which is another file sharing app that I've used for many years and I love. There is a free version, but I'm on the paid version. Yeah, I reckon WeTransfer is great. The free version's really good. Yeah, it's really yep. simple. And the, from the client end, you just get a link, you go to a place, you press a button, it's... It's a, that's a really good one for yeah. for transferring large files. What about other sort of photography software? You've just you're just a Photoshop gal, aren't you? I am a Photoshop gal. Definitely Adobe has a lot of the software that most people I guess in our little corner of the world need. And the other thing I wanted to mention in the photography section was that Lightroom Mobile is so great. It's so good, isn't it? It's so good. I run all of my phone photos through it before I post them on Instagram. It just gives them a little razzle dazzle. And it also has some really sophisticated features on the free, like the, I've noted that the free version of Lightroom Mobile has expanded yeah, like the white balance, like yes. dropper thing. I know. I can teach color management ah, on Lightroom Mobile. It's so unbelievable. Sophisticated. So great. I reckon that's a good one. And I think even if you're not too savvy, it's a really pretty easy inter- interface and you can kind of go really hardcore and techie or you can go pretty surface and just kind of crop and do the contrast and brightness and stuff like that. Or you can go hardcore. You can have presets. If you want oh, yeah. kind of a lot yep. of your photos to have a similar look, you can buy presets. If you want them all to look like you're in a forest and you wear mm. a lot of tan. I remember getting one <laughs> and it was the whole thing was called Boho Dreamweaver oh or something. God. It was the free one. It was really horrible. It was all like sepia. Blah. Yeah, can I just say I'm very aware. I'm not a preset I find photographers and a lot of people use presets and it's great because it gives everything a certain look, but I feel that a lot of presets are really of their time so they become dated Dated. very quickly. I agree. Sorry to everyone who uses heaps of presets. Yeah, just scroll back on your feed, on most feeds, (laughs) like a couple of years ago. It's like, oh, okay, so we're really into muted, kind of desaturated. It's a bit like when Instagram filters you know, when people were learning to use Instagram (laughs) filters, that's what Lightroom presets feel like a lot to me. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Okay. What about accounting and bookkeeping? Because that's another area like productivity where there's, I think there's a lot of money spent to try and get people like us subscribed Mm. to systems. Yeah. I feel like saying productivity. Sorry to any American (laughs) 
but it just feels like I think the whole world of productivity. Accounting and bookkeeping. So I used to use Xero and there's also other photography apps like Studio Ninja where you can be, and same as, you know, Streamtime and all of those where you can be invoicing and doing, so it sort of links and into Xero. And on the same. Yeah. yeah, so those sorts of things, that all sounds great in theory, but I found in practice it didn't work at all. And so I actually stopped using all accounting software. I've got a bank account solely for incoming and outgoing business money. So all of my, you know, everyone who pays me pays into that account and all of my business expenses come out of that account. That is not rocket science. Seems pretty basic, but in my online banking, I can basically choose in quarters or the whole financial year. I can export that as an Excel spreadsheet or a numbers spreadsheet. My accountant turns that into a pivot table and then my tax is done. Yeah. It's one of the best, like, you know, golden nuggets of business advice for this scale of business that we're at that I ever got was just set up a business account. It never occurred to me until a few years ago. Someone was just like, yep, just you know, use that card for your expenses, like have a card attached to it that you use for your expenses and get people to pay you into the one account. And then it's like, there it is. There's your expenses and your income. Bam. Look, I don't, I don't think that's unusual though, Amy, because it seems like even we're having this conversation, you think that is so dumb. Why would you not think of that? But the thing is that when you start a business, it's not really your focus, is it? Well, you're also not you don't have capital. You don't have. You're just sort of scraping off any other money that you can use to buy the things you need. And then, yeah, I think your focus at the beginning it's pretty much like trying to do the best for your clients, trying to get clients, and then trying to come through for them and make sure that that experience yeah. is really good. Which, of course, is the most important thing when you start. But then the yeah. other things, the operational, structural things, yeah, they yeah. sort of fall by the wayside. And then someone s- says to you a few years later. Why don't you just have one account? (laughs) Yeah. So that's where, yeah, I've dumped all the accounting software in favour of the pivot table thing. I just, it's done. So Yeah, I also have tried FreshBooks and Xero and, again, I could just, it's for me, I only ever have like two or three clients at a time, if that, at the moment and Honestly, just Google Sheets, Excel, basically. Yep. Yeah. Very low key. Although I have been looking into Stripe for invoicing, which I've been getting, I have received a few invoices that way. And it was really easy from my point of view as a client to pay. Like it was just one button. And because so many people shop on through their browser and have their credit cards stored, it makes it really easy for people to pay you. They can do it by bank transfer or or they can just, yeah, do a few clicks and your credit cards are auto-filled if you're like me and lazy. Yeah, so I've been looking into that and I might do that at one point or another because I think from a client-facing point of view, that's a pretty good one. Mm, That sounds good. And not very expensive. They just take a percentage. They just put a fee on there that you pay. Hmm. Sounds good. What about email? There's so much space on the internet internet devoted to uh, email, inbox management. Yeah, it's another very nerdy space on the internet. What do you do for email? (laughs) We're going down all the nerdy wormholes today. Email is big for me and I am an inbox zero person and I was before it was even called that. 
I can't handle having emails hanging around unanswered. It's my main form of client communication. So I take it quite seriously and I love email because it gives me time to think about what I'm saying, adjust the tone of what I'm saying. (laughs) If you're a bit shitty, you can just give it a quick check and make sure you don't come across like an asshole. When you've got your poo colored glasses on. (laughs) Yeah. It's also because it's a legal space as well. So, you know, it's all a recorded communication. People accept my terms and conditions, my licensing agreement, all of that sort of stuff happens for me in email as well. So I really like it. And I also run my email like a bit of a Marie Kondo cult follower. I'm very minimalist on any subscription. So I unsubscribe immediately. If I've bought something online and I've ended up on their mailing list, I'm out straight away because I feel like it feels like mental clutter. So I always take that second to unsubscribe as soon as that first email comes in and I never hear from them again. So my inbox is a pretty, you know, has a fair bit of clarity, I guess. I use Gmail for email and They've got a promotions tab. So you just, all your promotional emails just go in there. It's not like oh, a folder, okay. it's like a tab system. I love Gmail. I'm a, I am just think it's fantastic. And the thing I love about it is I'm not a folders person when I worked in architecture offices because of the, yeah, the legal contractual documentation. A lot of us had to use folders and I just thought it was a nightmare and didn't want to run my inbox that way. So Gmail being created by Google you can just search for anything. So I'm not an inbox zero person. My inbox is always full, but I just don't spend a lot of time there. I just go in, I do what I've got to do, and then I get out again. (laughs) And if I want to find something, you can just search and you can even use search operators. If you want to go down that rabbit hole, just Google search operators for Gmail, search operators for Outlook. So, you know, you can specify, I want to find an email from Bo. So, you know, it's like you use from colon bow and your email address or whatever or like from a Bo's subject colon, line things like that <laughs> exactly <laughs> i have also and a lot of photographers will also relate to this with email is that photographers have to use an out of office auto reply all the time because we're away shooting and we need people to know oh you know I'm going to be away shooting, which means I can't get to my email. And sometimes those shoots can go on for a week or more. So it's, yeah, I mean, I don't love using auto reply and probably should get a virtual assistant or something like that, but it's generally auto reply. I think it's fine. Also, I sometimes think like nothing in my work is, I don't have any urgent, you know, I try to work in a way that mitigates any urgency factors. So nothing ever life-threatening is happening in my photography. And yeah, anyway, so I am doing, I'm still doing out of office auto reply on my shooting weeks. And that just gives people, just so they understand, like I can reply to some easy things, but other things that are going to take time, I just cannot get to at that time. It just sets expectations, I think, Bo. I think people Mm. respect that you're a one-woman show and yeah, I think it keeps, you know, it's it's great because people know exactly what you're doing. Oh, she's so dynamic. She's shooting. That's exciting. Yeah. Is that what they're thinking when they get an out-of-office auto Yeah, that's reply? what I always think. <laughs> oh, dear. What about seeing as we 
have sort of semi-pitched ourselves as a marketing podcast. Do you think that we should talk about anything marketing related? (laughs) Absolutely. I could talk at length and only scratch the surface. Work-wise for client, my client work, I've used a lot of different software and apps in the sort of email marketing space and the social media management space. A lot of it's pitched at automation and a lot of the marketing material for these apps and software promises to help you scale your business and make squillions. (laughs) That's what we're here for. Yeah, well, look, I think I always look at automation, you know, I always think about it with a, take it with a grain of salt. It can be really useful if you're a big business with lots of different products or offerings, but basically that's not us and that's not the people listening. If you're a freelancer or a small business with a pretty streamlined offering, you definitely don't need to spend a lot of time or money on automation. The most important thing is to be in regular contact with your clients or customers in a way that suits them. So if they are on Instagram, that's where you should be spending your time as well interacting with them there. If they want to get emails from you, say that they're promotional emails, you should spend some time making sure that there's valuable content in there that they might actually want to read and spend your time personalizing your emails. Yeah. And the other thing I suppose in this space is just like immediately start collecting emails and keeping all your client information in one place. So that place can be called a client management system, or it can just be an email list. So in terms of software, I'm a fan of scheduling software for social media because I usually manage multiple accounts and like to be able to batch, like get in the zone of writing content and engaging and collecting images and do that all at once on some software. I use Later, which is great. The free version is really good. But something to mention here is if you're scheduling content, make sure you spend time interacting on the actual platform. So if you're scheduling for Instagram or Facebook, make sure just because your your content's going out there, don't neglect that platform if that's where your peeps are. It's social media and that app's algorithm measures engagement, your engagement and how you interact on the app too. So that's important. Mm, I also use Later and there was a while there where I got the paid version and I found it so frustrating. None of the things that I wanted to do were in the paid version. So <laughs> that was one, you know, what I was talking earlier about, you know, getting stung yearly. Uh-oh. That was one of them. So oh dear. highly recommend the free version. And also I really, I don't, I don't use it very much anymore. I mostly post from my phone and I'm going to say that I do that yeah, 99% of the time now. And that's good, Bo, because then you're there and then you can interact at the same time as posting and that's probably the most natural and just simple way to use that app. Yeah. I think if you find it a a chore, like some people find posting for their business an absolute chore that they hate and Mm. so something like later might be better for them, but I I personally enjoy it and, you know, it never feels like a chore, so... Other work-related things, can you think of any? Well, yeah, I guess we could maybe say something like Spotify. Our Spotify is so wacky because the whole family are all on one account. I don't, I, I mean, we're not on the one where you get the ads, but we're not on whatever the next level is where you all have different <laughs> accounts. So it's hilarious, actually. The algorithm is extremely confused <laughs> and I can only listen to music 
when I'm doing, when I've got heaps of mind numbing level post-production to get through, I definitely can't listen to music when I'm in emails or quoting or anything that involves words. But when I've got, I've got a post-production playlist that is full of sing-alongs and I put my headphones on and the kids can hear me singing in the house. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I, I think Spotify, I would add that to my sort of business subscription tech list too, because if you work for yourself, I think it really can help you stay motivated. So I'm a big, I like noise when I'm working, even sometimes when I'm writing. So I've got particular playlists on Spotify for being it sort of in the zone of writing that are sort of more instrumental because I, I prefer that to noise. And quite often I'm actually trying to block out real noise of children or <laughs> whatever. <laughs> also on Spotify, can I admit something really nerdy to you, Bo? You're going to laugh. That's what this whole podcast, that's why we made a podcast. Um, I, we've got, for the same reason that you mentioned about the Spotify algorithm, trying to just like recommend things and just all being all over the place. I have Spotify duo now. So because, you know, Damien, my husband, love him to bits, but you know, we've got some crossover music wise, but we also have big areas where we do not cross over at all. So we've got two accounts and <laughs> We're on a plan called Spotify Duo and we've recently worked out that we can listen to the same thing at the same same playlist at the same time. It's a special fe- feature that's in beta at the moment. And so we jog together and we listen to the same like silly motivational playlist full of like old bangers. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty cute. Jogging <laughs> together sweet. with yeah. your little headphones. That's yeah. very cute. Alone and together. Time for regular segments. What are you working <laughs> on, Bo? Do you like how I do sound effects, even though there will actually we, be we sound effects? We do have sound effects. I know. Sorry. I don't know why I keep trying to do them in my analog piece of paper way. Okay. Look, I've been working on a zillion different projects, but one of the things that's always happening in the background, which all other photographers will also relate to, is the delicate balance between breaking your back, carrying all your gear and having all the gear that you need. So in a couple of days, I'm flying up to the Kimberley and I've been refining my kit slowly over the last couple of years to be more of a flight kit, which is quite challenging because I need full studio performance capabilities and I shoot with a backdrop and lights and a whole works burger. So, and I also have a preference for really I I sort of see kind of heavy gear as being reliable gear. So when you drop something, it doesn't break. So anyway, that's been interesting. And I have, I think I've got what looks like my most refined flight kit ever. Still can't carry it all by myself, but um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting there. I'm getting there. What about you? Well, this isn't a work thing, but ever since we moved back to Melbourne, I've been wanting to use the car less. So we live in the inner north. There's this incredible network of off-road cycling paths. So I started looking at cargo bikes that I've been seeing around. Super cute, you know, because you can fit both. We could fit both young kids. Oh, I love those little cargo bikes. I know. And I found this incredible local business called Lug and Carry, which actually rents cargo bikes, electric ones, because when you hit a hill and you've got two kids on the back, you, yeah, having a bit of assistance can be helpful. 
but they're very expensive. So renting one mm. actually works out really well. They do the insurance and the maintenance. Oh. And my kids absolutely love being on the bike. We even have a special cycling playlist that I belt out when we're going down <laughs> alongside the Merry Creek full of songs that Poppy just loves. A lot of Taylor Swift on that one. So just need to. Do you know what? I used to walk my kids to school along the Merry Creek and their little prams and Aww. all their things. Oh, so cute. Well, I think that might be it for us, Amy. You can find us on Instagram. We are at Soul Traders Podcast. This podcast is recorded on Wurundjeri, Manang and Bibbulmun land. Thank you to Lucy Peach for our music and Scott from Soundmind Editing for our podcast production. Talk to you next week, Amy. Talk soon, bye. Oh,